This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask, how do I grow this thing? On Startup Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey everyone, and welcome to 2023. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Ron Ross, who's the president, COO, and founder of Every, workforce payments technology that makes it easy to pay people instantly. This is a fintech. It's absolutely a game changer. It's one of those ideas. This is a problem that everybody has, and it's one of those things like, why didn't anybody come up with this sooner? Thankfully for Ron, they didn't, and he got started with it. Ron's a seasoned finance executive with 15 years of experience leading accounting, finance, and operation teams at fast-growing companies. He came up with the concept for every after seeing firsthand the negative impact of waiting two weeks for a paycheck because his daughter had a job which she made enough to cover her expenses, but she kept running out of money because the timing of her payday and her bills didn't match up. Now, Ron realized this was a huge problem for many Americans and decided to challenge the status quo. He created every to make faster paydays a reality. If that doesn't scream startup renegade to you, I don't know what does. Since founding the company in 2018, Ron has grown the team by five times and raised both seed and Series A financing rounds, totaling $14 million in April 2019 and 2020, respectively. This guy is absolutely renegade. It was a pleasure to talk to him, really learn about the journey that he took in starting and growing this company. We talked about everything from mindset to building your team to growth strategy. And it's all so good. I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, let's dive in. This is Ron Ross and the story of every. Hey there, Ron. Hi, Shauna. All right. I'm going to start off with the really hard hitting questions. What did you want to be when you grew up? Sure. Interesting question. Growing up, I would say that I always expected to be an artist. Mm. I was a kid that it was always doodling and pictures. When I think back to my junior high school, junior high, high school age, I was always in art class somewhere where I felt comfortable. Um, I actually was awarded a a scholarship, a two-year scholarship going into college. So I was expecting to be an artist. Wow. That's very cool. I know it's like a weird question to start off with, but I always love to hear about the journey and I find it really interesting where we start off and where we are today. So did you go to college for art or had you kind of already switched focus at that point? No, I I was in college on that art scholarship. And I suppose during those first two years of college, as I was uh, learning about myself and where I wanted to direct my professional life, I discovered two things, I suppose, in those two years, one of which was that uh, I was probably not a good enough artist to make a living at it, um, okay. a bit of a, a discovery for me. But during those two years, I actually took some classes in economics and finance and found out that I was quite interested in that. I, I 
was good with numbers and thinking about, you know, economics and how economic policy could influence a great number of people. In fact, I, yeah. I studied the Great Depression and how we came out of that Great Depression with, you know, economic policy. And I was just always fascinated by that. So I ended up switching focus from art at that time of my life to uh, economics and finance. And I finished up my two-year degree and then ended up getting a bachelor's in economics and mm -hmm. then continued and got a master's degree in finance and economics and then finished up with an MBA. Man, I have to say, it sounds interesting when you say it that way, for sure. So you got those degrees. And then what did you start doing for work? I left, uh, finished up with my MBA. And the first job that I had was a short stint at a CPA firm. And during my stint at a CPA firm, I was thinking about jumping into a startup. And really that during my MBA degree, uh, I took a, an entrepreneurship class. And during this class, the instructor would bring in, you know, each week a new entrepreneur. And I just became fascinated with uh, hearing their stories and, you know, the journey that they went through. And I had that in the back of my mind as I was working for the CPA firm. And I was just looking for the first startup to jump into. That's really cool. I'm so glad that you shared that. And that's a really interesting way, I think, to be introduced to entrepreneurship. Now, I have to ask you, and maybe you've already explained this, but how did you like learn about startups? What interested you in startups specifically? Was it the types of entrepreneurs that your professor was bringing into the classroom? Or did you kind of learn about the startup space in a different way? It was mostly during that class. I was very interested in the idea that an entrepreneur could take a problem that they saw and they could build a company around it to solve that particular problem. And it wasn't too far akin from my experience when I was studying economics, how, you know, there's a, this macro problem that was solved by economic policy and entrepreneurship is, is similar in that you can identify a problem that exists out there and then build a business around solving that particular problem. The challenge that I had was as I was looking at the, these entrepreneurs, you know, they were all very articulate and um, they had these bigger than life personalities, what I would consider extroverts. And I'm, I'm not that. I'm what I would say more introverted. I'm not this big, dynamic, bigger than life personality. And so I always was wanting to get into a startup, but I didn't know my place and I didn't know how I could make that happen. And I, I suppose when I first left the CPA firm and I jumped into my first startup, I was expecting to be more in a supporting role. Uh, my first job in a, in a startup was uh, I was a controller. So I was over our accounting and finance and more working alongside entrepreneurs, uh, helping them build their businesses. Wow. So that's really interesting about kind of, you know, your first role in a startup and your first role in a startup teaches you a lot about how scrappy you have to be and maybe how different it is than you initially expected. But I want to backtrack a little bit because you said something super interesting. Now, you might not realize it, but I am an introvert. Now, we don't have video on. We're just having a conversation. And it's really easy to talk one-on-one -on -one and I'm comfortable. But man, yeah. you put me in a room full of people and I am awkward as hell. <laughs> and I think that it's you make a really interesting observation that you look at a lot of these entrepreneurs and they've got these bigger than life personalities. And you're like, that's not me. <laughs> like, where do I fit? 
How did that feeling, that observation kind of come into play for you when you decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship yourself? I was always expecting at that stage in my career to play a role and be, like I mentioned, more of a supporting cast, but be in a startup and be involved in that experience of growing a business. And so I focused my energy on understanding how business worked, being a good counterpart to the entrepreneur or the CEOs that I worked with. And I ended up going from that first company that I was in to three others where I went from a controller to a VP of finance to a CFO role where I was more integral in helping the business grow and raising money and uh, the strategy of these businesses. But I also, in that progression from company to company, was progressively going into earlier stage businesses to the point where the last company that I was in before I started every, I think I was the 12th employee and immediately had to raise a bridge round and then a series A within six months. And at the end of that experience, I was just more comfortable with being in the early stage type of businesses to the point where it wasn't as scary to me. So when you say more comfortable, do you feel like you grew as a person and you were able to tackle those challenges head on and that you maybe not became more extroverted, could handle, you know, those, your personality got a little bit more extroverted maybe, or did you kind of have the realization that I don't need to be that larger than life founder. I can do all of those, these other things. And that makes me a good entrepreneur. Uh, More the latter. Yeah, I, I would say I'm still very much an introverted. I've been more described as having an understated personality in that regard. However, I became more comfortable with the whole experience of growing a business, especially in the earlier stages and the ups and downs, because there, you know, inevitably are those ups there and downs when <laughs> you're trying to grow a business. Yeah. And where I knew I had weaknesses, I ended up bringing in people who would balance out my weakness with, with strengths that I didn't have. Yeah. That's what I ended up doing uh, when I started Every. I brought in key players on our executive team that really counterbalanced my weaknesses so that, you know, combined together, we were a stronger team. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, so let's talk about Every. What was the problem that you had to solve that you could leave being a power player in these other startups to take that risk and make your own? What was this big problem that you needed to solve? Yeah, I identified the problem in the last company that I was in. I was the CFO of this uh, early stage startup business. And at that time, my daughter, this is in the summer of 2017, she left home to go to college. And she was not too far away from where we live, maybe a half hour away, but she was off on her own. She was living with some friends off of campus. She had a job and she was making enough money to pay her bills but month after month, she kept coming back to me for these short-term loans. And the conversation was more or less this, you know, dad, uh, rent is due today and I don't get paid for three or four or five days into the future. Can I have a short-term loan so I can bridge that gap? And it happened enough where I began thinking more and more about her experience. And what surfaced from that was the idea that there's this mismatch in timing when 
an employee is providing their effort and their work to a business, but they don't get paid until much, much later, you know, two or three weeks later. And for an individual like my daughter, who is, you know, at that point in their, their life when they're living paycheck to paycheck, it puts them in this really interesting predicament where they don't have the money that they need, but they've earned it. I identified that as a problem. And, you know, with my background as a CFO, knowing that the payroll market is a massive market and that there hadn't really been uh, innovation in that market around the speed and the timing of which an employee got paid, I decided that that was a really interesting problem to solve. And I began thinking more and more about that particular problem. Okay. I love this. So this is a problem that probably everyone has had at some point in their life. For me, I just always thought like, that's the way it is, right? It's just one of those things. It's just something that we live with or, or we deal with, right? So now you're taking this thing that like everybody experiences, identifying that this is a problem that we can actually solve and you're going to create a business around it. So what was the first thing that you did? How did you start acquiring customers other than your daughter? Typical to the way that I work and, and think, again, going back to being an introvert, I began analyzing and doing research around uh, payroll in particular, how a business moves money from you know one bank to another bank, and how do you calculate the taxes? How do you remit the deposits to you know the IRS and to the state governments? I began analyzing things from all different angles. The problem was is I was just doing this on my own, and I wasn't really talking to anybody about it because you know I was I was fearful of exposing that I'm thinking about starting a business. And there was this fear of failure and this fear of, you know, if I'm going to start talking about doing something, I'm actually going to do it. I'm not just going to talk about it. And so it was interesting. I was thinking about this for the better part of a year. And my wife and I, we were actually in Hawaii and we were sitting on the beach and she knew that I was noodling on this idea of starting a business. And she just looked over to me and she said, you know, are you ever going to tell me about this business you're thinking about starting? And so it was at that moment that I was a little bit vulnerable and and told her about my idea. And immediately she grasped onto it and said, you know, that's a great idea. You should do that, which was encouraging and, and gave me the courage to take the next steps. And then I began talking to more and more people, people that I had worked with and that I knew and trusted that have that had skill sets that that uh, I wanted to bring into the business that uh, would help me, you know, make that idea become a reality. Hey, it's Shauna here. I want to take a quick break from this amazing episode to send a free resource your way. Starting up is hard. Whether you're bootstrapping or you've got some funding behind you, you don't always know exactly where to start. I want to fix that. You head to startuprenegades.com right now. You can claim your free business benchmark blueprint. That's a mouthful. It's going to help you set a plan in place so you can create your foundation for growth. And it's free, so why not? Head to startuprenegades.com right now and grab yours. So first of all, thank you for slowing me down because I immediately go into customer acquisition, right? Like my marketing mind goes there, but there's a lot of steps and everything that you shared is just so relatable. (laughs) Like idea is in stealth, like not even telling my partner about it. And it's scary to put your idea out in the world. And then also at the same time, props to your wife for being an awesome partner, like having a strong support system as a founder 
is so essential because there's so many ups and downs. You really need someone that is going to, you know, hold you up and be along for the ride. So that's awesome. But let's talk about the, the marketing. So you went out, you built your team. When you launched, how did you handle launching a fintech? I spent a lot of time uh, sourcing the right partners that would allow me to uh, realize the the ability to um, move money around faster. It was around this time that I had spoken to my wife and was thinking about um, this business where same day ACH came out in the banking world. The third phase of that was launched in March of 2018. And when I saw that, I realized that that was the enabler. That would allow me to move money within the same day, within a relatively short period of time. So when a worker were was... Uh, provided their effort and their work to the business, they could be paid on that same day or paid soon, soon after. Whereas, you know, the banking infrastructure before then, it was much more slow. Like you wouldn't be able to move money on that same day. It would be like next day or two or three days later. And that's really typical to payroll. And that's key, right? So as you're launching your startup, one of the big things that investors want to know is like, why now? Because if you're doing it too early or you're too late to the game, either way, it's not good for scaling a startup. So what you're describing perfectly answers that question. Like, this is the exact right to do this because we've got the technology now to accomplish it. That's exactly it. I spent a lot of time talking to banks and ended up speaking to 30 or more banks and was getting rejected quite a bit. It was towards the tail end of that where, you know, I was talking to my wife and I said, you know, this might not be the time because I wasn't find, finding a banking partner that would uh, facilitate that for me. And then uh, some of the friends that I was speaking with that were um, potentially going to come into the business as executives, we ended up going up to a bank together and presented to them. And we met with the bank president and his team. And he said, yes, I can do that for you. And I can do that at the pricing that you need it. And that was the day that I decided, okay, we're launching this business and you know, off we go. And at that point I had built the infrastructure of, you know, how to do the payment calculate the the tax calculations and how to uh, send the money to the employees. And I had figured all of that out. And we brought in, I was probably a dozen businesses that, that where it was owner operator and somebody that I knew or a smaller business where I had some connection to, and we brought them in as customers. And I quickly realized, you know, there, there's a few different routes you could take. You can you could bootstrap it and grow it much much slower, or you could you know raise capital, raise venture capital, and really put it on a fast track to grow. And I quickly realized that this opportunity was way bigger than just taking my time and bootstrapping it. And so we ended up raising a four million dollar seed round. Brought those. Uh, people in that I had been spoken to. And I'm forever grateful for these, these people. This is, uh, you know, a leader of product, Kyle Jacobson, Piers Mainwaring and Derek Newbold on our engineering team, leading that effort. Uh, Tyler Pluger on the finance side, helping us establish those banking relationships. Yeah, that's amazing. So I have a big question. So one thing that you said really stuck out to me that you knew that this was big, had so much potential, and you wanted to raise. At the same time, you said, you know, your first customers were like friends, family, small business owners. That 
might not be the kind of traction that investors are looking for. Like, okay, you got friends and family to use it, but is this something that has wide appeal? Is this something that everybody actually really wants? So were you working on scaling up to a certain point before you raised capital? Or was the concept so strong that the investors were like, yeah, this has to exist in the world. Let's go. Yeah, the early customers were uh, people that I knew. However, the word started getting out mostly in the local community that we were uh, disrupting payroll and building something that could allow employees to get paid on a much faster pace. And so we started to see strong traction come in outside of that, that more uh, friends and family uh, group. And businesses started to be very interested in the idea of paying their workers faster. So we started bringing customers in that were interested in that and larger scale. And that was enough validation for us to know that this was something big and this is something that we could scale up if we had the capital. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so let's dive a little bit deeper into marketing. What you're talking about is like word of mouth. So you're going out to raise, this thing is growing by word of mouth. And, you know, fintech is notoriously tricky and especially when it comes to customer acquisition costs. So Can you share any specific strategies that you were using in the beginning that you found were really helpful for scaling up? Sure. A lot of that, I was reliant on one of the key hires that we brought into the business, a friend of mine, his name is Brett Barlow. I initially brought him in as a board member and he was somebody that I'd worked with in the past who was a you know, over marketing and chief marketing officer in businesses and just very capable and a person that I, I knew and trusted. And so I brought him in and he eventually became the CEO of our business. And really we focused our efforts on really understanding who our ideal customer profile was, who is the target type of company and business, and then what verticals are these ideal customers? Where are they? Who are the type of businesses that are really going to gravitate toward this. And we spent a lot of time testing and retesting messaging and what was the right approach to really nail these customers. So we did that for the better part of a, you know, a couple of years, bringing in businesses, of course, but really identifying where's our product market fit the most and where is that ideal customer profile for us, where we can focus our energies on our marketing and bring those type of businesses in. So you've done all this research. What did you find? Where was the place that you really needed to focus? We identified that gig-focused companies are companies that had a lot of contractors. So think of delivery or sales-focused companies like door-to-door where they're selling solar or pest control or staffing businesses. We found that these are the type of businesses that really, when they think about recruiting employees or contractors, retaining those contractors to make sure that they keep coming back and working jobs and incentivizing them or rewarding them so that when they finish a job or finish a delivery or finish a sale, they immediately get paid. That was really the type of business that resonated with what we had built. So we focused our energies on marketing to those type of businesses. And that's really when we began to scale up aggressively. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing. So I'm going to ask you one more (laughs) big question. So you are the founder and you said that this other gentleman that came in and really helped you with marketing and scaling, he became the CEO. 
a lot of times the founder is the CEO. How did you know that that was the right move? Or when was that the right move for the business and for you personally? Great question. That goes back to really knowing myself and my strengths. And one of the things that I'm very strong at is, is operating. You know, I'm more of an operator. And the sales and marketing um, side of the business is not an area that I have experience. And I could eventually learn those things, but it would take too long to learn, especially if you're wanting to grow your business fast. And so it made more sense to me to sacrifice that title as CEO and bring in somebody that had that skill set and that capability. And really, again, it, like when I think about entrepreneurship, it's less about ego or, or money. It's more about solving a problem and building a successful business. And so as an entrepreneur and a founder, it was an easy decision for me to make because it was the right thing for the business, right thing for us to do at that particular point to really grow our business stronger. Yeah, I love that so much. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for everything you shared today. What's going on with Every now? You know, we're just growing rapidly, focused on getting employees their pay as fast as possible. Yeah. And, you know, I expect that like with technology, it all goes to real time and there will be some future date when employees get paid uh, near real time and we're part of that evolution in the market. That's very cool. It's such a unique business and such an amazing story. I love it. So tell me what being a startup renegade means to you, Ron. You know, when I think about that term in my experience, it means to me, you know, take the plunge. If you're, if you identify a problem that you're passionate about, and this is something that you feel you can grow a business around, take that plunge despite any fears that you may have. If you think think that you don't have the right experience or if you're introverted and don't feel like you're the right fit for the what you see as a typical entrepreneur don't let those fears get in your way of being a startup renegade i love it thank you so much for being here today where can everybody find you online Uh, every.com and that's spelled e-v-e-r-e-e.com and you can find me and our company on linkedin or you can go to every pay is the handle on Twitter and Facebook. Awesome. We'll have to check that out. Thanks, Ron. Nice speaking with you, Shauna. That was this week's episode of Startup Renegades. Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade.